Welcome to the Pro Church Marketing Podcast. Are you a church leader or nonprofit director that wants to reach more people online? If so, you're going to want to listen to what John O'Long has to say about the latest trends in online marketing for churches and faith based nonprofits. Here's your host, John O'Long. Thank you, guys. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, everybody, for being here with us today. Excited about this. This is the first FaithWorks webinar that we've had. I'm excited about it. My name is John O'Long. I'm the owner of FaithWorks Marketing, and we work with churches and nonprofits. I'll introduce my friend here in a minute. Today, we're talking about three easy ways to improve your church social media which is kind of maybe misleading because we're probably going to give you like 78 ways to improve your church's social media. And you could probably just grab three of those. So, you know, try to keep up, but uh, we're going to give you some good stuff. I'm really thankful that you're here. If you've got any questions that pop up about anything we're talking about, drop those in the chat or drop those in the questions and we'll do our best to answer those, and I'll try my best to see them in the corner of my eye, make sure that we get those. Anyway, like I said, I'm Jono. I'm the owner here at FaithWorks Marketing. I was in student ministry in the metro Atlanta area for like 21 years, started in 1999, and then got kind of old, and um, here I am doing marketing for uh, churches and faith-based nonprofits. Today with us, we have the worship leader, the one and only worship pastor at Journey Church over in Monroe. It's actually in between Georgia. Literally, the name of the little town is between. Zach, Zachary Orr is with us, and that's Zach. And Zach is probably in the same position as a lot of you guys, a lot of church leaders where he's wearing multiple hats. How many positions do you you hold at Journey there? Like 12, 13? Yeah, something like that. So social media also falls under his purview. And so we've got him with us today talking about that. A little fun fact, a little trivia there for you. Uh, Zach, the second church I served at, Palmetto Baptist Church from 03 to 05, down in a little town called Palmetto, Georgia. Zach's dad uh, was the pastor there. And Zach was a punk in the youth group that I didn't really like all that much. And then once we got him off the drugs and... <laughs> and got him saved. He started leading worship. Just kidding. Just kidding. Zach's one of the most talented musicians I know. He's really good at social media. He uh, doesn't give himself enough credit for it. But anything I miss there, Zach, anything you'd like to tell everyone about yourself? Anything you'd like to brag about? No, nothing I'd like, really like to brag about. But I think what's going to be helpful about this webinar is that I've done social media mostly for mid-sized churches. So I'm not coming at you with uh, a mega church background that has an unlimited budget. I've had to do a lot of the grunt work myself over the years. So quite a bit of experience with it so far. Yeah, very cool. So Zach's right there in the trenches. And I think that's a really good point. I think you're going to learn a lot from him today. He's got a lot of good stuff to say. And I'm going to ask him some questions and try to stump him. So if you've got some questions, throw those at us. Anyway, with without uh, further ado, we'll just kind of go ahead and jump into it. So what what we want to accomplish today and by the end of the session is we want you guys to know how to make a plan, how to determine your social media strategy, because I feel like, and, and, and I've been in situations where managing social media, it, it just kind of like, oh, dang, we got to post something today. Everybody else is posting, you know, 
It's Tuesday. That's the day we said we were going to post. What are we going to post? Well, we got this coming up and, and, and there's really no plan to it. We're just shooting from the hip. And when that happens, it really becomes more of an annoyance than anything. And then we're not really doing our best. The second thing that we're going to talk about is how to build a team, how to recruit and develop a team to produce your social media content. The goal here is for you not to be doing it all by yourself, for you to have some help. Uh, because if you're, especially if you're on staff at the church or if you're a high capacity volunteer, you're probably wearing multiple hats. You've got several roles. And at different times of the year, if you're the worship leader and it's time for Easter, you've got a lot of things on, on your plate and, and social media may need to go on the back burner if you're the only one doing social media. So that's where having a good team can help fill in. The third thing that we want you to walk away with is the thought of how to make it matter, how to take your social media from just marketing uh, to actual ministry. We'll dive deeper into that. Now, Zach, Zach was telling, I asked Zach, and you got to tell everybody, th this is why Zach should be teaching you how to do social media, because Zach, um, not only is he great at it, but he's also made a mistake here and there. So I asked him what was one of your biggest social media mess ups for the church. And then he told me this story. So I'm going to let Zach take it from here. Yeah. So at a church I served at about five or six years ago, we had a bunch of creative meetings trying to figure out how to promote our <laughs> Christmas services and somehow landed on all agreed upon the fact that we were going to give away a puppy in each of our Christmas Eve services. So we started promoting this, getting people to come to our Christmas Eve service that we were going to have a raffle in each of the services and whichever kid's name that we drew from a Santa hat was gonna to get to come up on stage and get a free puppy for Christmas. Now we thought this was a great idea, a way to just get people excited about coming to our service, whatever. Uh, we might catch a little flack for, you know, trying to commercialize it a little bit, but we're, you know, we justified that saying we were, we were reaching people who may not otherwise come, whatever. Well, what we didn't expect was for all of the animal lovers to come out of the woodworks to just <laughs> completely slam us, obliterate us on social media. And yeah, that was bad. We wound up um, canning that idea. All the animal lovers are actually leaving this uh, <laughs> webinar podcast right now. You know, yeah. I wonder had you guys gone through with it, would it have actually helped attendance or hurt it? Because like as a guy with five kids so, and you as a parent now, were you a parent then when you? No, you I was weren't. not a parent then. We had people in the meeting who were parents. They, we just kind of thought like, if you don't want your kid to get a puppy, then you don't sign up for the raffle. But every kid was going to want to sign, because, yeah, because if, if my kid won a puppy and I had to take another mouth home to feed, already having two dogs that I don't want, I would have been upset. In fact, I would have been like, I'm just going to have to, like, as soon as my kid drops their name in the bucket and walks away, I'm, I would have had to pull it out or not attend yeah, right. the service at all. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it, was, it was an awful idea. It was a terrible <laughs> idea. That we should have realized very early on, and we pursued it anyways. I remember where I was when that post went live. I was sitting on my couch, and, and I didn't serve at this church. I wasn't on staff with him then. Zach and I had been on staff at 
uh, two different churches together, not this one. I would have clearly stepped in and said, no, let's not do this. I would have saved the day there. But I do remember just being on Facebook that morning and sitting on my couch and seeing that post and be like, hmm, wonder how <laughs> this is interesting. What I expected was what you said in the beginning, that, that there was going to be a lot of like over-spiritualization of it saying, oh my gosh, how can you take the focus off Jesus and put it on a puppy? You know, that there would be a lot of that. I don't know that there was any of that. What began to swell was people, you know, not knowing where, where this animal was going to end up. So if giving a puppy away is on your social media calendar, we're going to encourage you to go ahead and scratch that. <laughs> scratch the number that one easy way to improve your church's social media is don't give away puppies. Animals. Don't do anything with animals except post pictures of puppies <laughs> and just say puppies are awesome. That's all you need to do leave it there. So if that doesn't qualify Zach as the pro and why you should stick around and listen to the rest of this, then I don't know what was. Oh yeah. You could have announced in advance that all the shots are all taken care of for a year. That may have got around it that way. Yeah. The PETA people, they were not going for that. No, they were very concerned with where we were getting these puppies from, what families they were going to, how they would be cared for beyond the service. Lots of things that we should have thought about, but we did not. But since you hate animals, you hate animals so much, you just went for it. So social media, social media is critical. It's a big deal. It's not something that you can just ignore. It's not something that is just, you know, 10th on the list of things to do. But I do feel like it probably annoy if you're in church leadership and you don't love social media, it probably does annoy you. And not to mention in pandemic land, I don't know if anyone at other churches, if any of your church members ever post things about COVID on Facebook. I don't know if it's just our church that people talk about politics and COVID and things like that, or it's just my friends in this area. But social media is even more of, in some ways, a dumpster fire, but it's also critical. What do you think? How critical is it, Zach? Yeah, I, I think it's super important. If, if for no other reason than because these days people are looking at your Facebook, they're looking at your Instagram, at your website, usually multiple times before they ever visit for the first time. That's just something that we do as a culture now. I know that when my wife and I want to check out a restaurant, we're looking to see pictures of the inside of the restaurant. We want to see pictures of the food. We want to know what the menu is like before we ever decide to go visit that restaurant. It's the same way with your church. So you got to make sure that your social media accounts, your website and all are accurately reflecting what your church is like so that people will have the right idea before they show up. We were talking about this earlier that, that social media is not just, uh, and I think we're going to hit on this a little bit more in a minute, but it's not just like a vehicle to talk about ministry. It's not just an avenue to get the word out about ministry, but it literally is ministry and ministry can be done on social media. I, I think the other thing, and and, and this is, what I heard the guys from, I think it was from North Point Church, they were talking about how everything they post on social media, I mean, it's from the filter of looking at, you know, what is someone who's never going to be here, who's never been here before, what are we showing them? So they don't do all these funky angles that, you know, in the sanctuary that no one could ever get to, to get a cool angle of the of the worship service, but they, they want to show you what it's actually like to sit in the worship service, what it's actually like to to drop your kids off on Sunday morning, you know? So to be able to reassure parents that, you know, we've got a secure check-in process for the kids and it's not just 
pandemonium, Lord of the Flies, when you drop off your kids. That's something that needs to be on social media. That's critical for convincing the parent that's maybe a little nervous, apprehensive about bringing their kid to hang out with you at your church. That's a huge deal. Totally critical. All right, number one, make a plan. Take it away, Zach. I think the first thing that you should do, if you watch any YouTube video about how to grow your social media account, or if you sign up for Skillshare or something like that, you're watching someone else's class on how to grow your social media account. What everyone is going to tell you is that you need to figure out what your account is for and what your goals are for your account. So for instance, our church is to do what I was describing before. I don't have a ton of time to devote to social media because I'm also taking care of production and making videos and all of our graphics and doing worship and all this sort of things. So for us, social media exists to give people a snapshot of what Sunday morning is like. So that when someone goes online and they're looking to find out what's Journey Church like, they're going to go to our Instagram, they're going to go to our Facebook, they're going to visit our website, and they'll be able to see pictures and posts that reflect who we are. Now, that may not be your goal for social media. You may want to, to take it a step further and actually actively help people in their spiritual journey or something. Teach people how to read the Bible, teach people how to pray, provide some kind of counseling through your social media account. If that's the case, having that goal in mind to begin with will help you make a plan for everything else. Beyond that, once you've figured out what your goal is, you want to figure out, okay, what is feasible for me? There's churches out there that post every single day, multiple times a day. At a church I used to serve at, our pastor wanted us to post three times a day. We had a lot of trouble coming up with content that was actually worth posting to post that often. So we just wound up posting a bunch of stuff that nobody cared about. And we went quality over quantity, which ultimately hurts your social media account because then people start to ignore you. And the more they ignore you, then the algorithms on social media will um, deprioritize your account to your followers. So less and less people will see your stuff, no matter how many times you're posting. So it's, it's always better to have quality over quantity. And so if you look at your schedule and you think, I only really have time to post once a week or twice a week, three times a week, something like that, you can't do every day, that's perfectly fine. Just be willing to stick to that for a long period of time. Less is more. Three really good, well thought out, good looking posts are way better than 15 mediocre posts that you just kind of pulled out of the air. The next thing to think about is, okay, who are you trying to reach? Which sometimes it becomes an uncomfortable thing to identify as a church, because of course we think we know that the gospel is for everyone. We want to reach everyone regardless of um, stage of life, but it will help your account if you can narrow down and say, okay, everyone is important, but we would really like to focus on families with young kids. And if that's the case, then your the, the, the photos that you post, the content that you post, um, the blog posts you share or articles you share, they're going to reflect that target. And it'll give a lot more definition to your account and a lot more focus to uh, your account. And then I would encourage you to think beyond the post. <clears throat> so if someone comes across your post, what are you wanting them to do from there? Do you want to push them to your website? Do you want to uh, 
uh, again, encourage them to study the Bible a different way or to, to begin praying more consistently. You know, what is the purpose behind the post besides just coming up with something in order to throw out there, which goes back to our quality over quantity discussion is that if you if you have a purpose for the post, if you're thinking beyond just what someone is going to briefly see and read, that's going to help your reach too, because people are engaging with it more. They may be more likely to comment, more likely to like the post, more likely to share it if it's meaningful for them. The more all of that is happening, the more the algorithms on social media are saying, hey, this account is important and we want to make sure that people are seeing this more frequently. So what would you say then about posts that just are kind of fun and silly? Are, are they worth doing? You know, just a, a trivia question or, you know, who's your favorite Marvel hero? You know, are those worth doing? Is that is that dumb? Is it a waste of time? Is it unspiritual? What do you think there? I, I think they're helpful. I call those the irresistible questions. And we use those pretty often. They aren't that spiritual. Usually there's something silly like, do you keep your butter out on the counter or do you keep it in the fridge? Let us know in the comments. So that is irresistible. People get surprisingly opinionated with questions like that. And it sparks a lot of discussion. And that in turn tells the algorithm that your account is important and that it should be shown to more people. If you're looking for a question to ask that you want just to go viral, start the whole temperature argument. What temperature <laughs> should the thermostat be on? I did a post like that. I've only had one post like go even if you could consider it viral. And it was like back in 2017, I, I posted, a, me and my wife were arguing about it. And I said that 67 degrees is perfectly adequate in the winter for the heat to be on. And that's what it should be on and possibly lower in the summer. And dude, that blew up. And then you see it now, like if you, you talk about temperature, you get people talking. You just do a thermostat post every week. If your social media is terrible on engagement, we get, we got a question. Okay. So Kenneth is asking, do you suggest have only one main church page or having the pages of the church for like young adults and like youth ministry having its own page? If there's like an evangelistic effort or men's ministry. So do you think everybody should have their own page or do you think just like one main page for the, the church? My, my personal opinion is one main page for the church. That's, that's what we do. But it, it kind of, again, goes back to what is your goal for, for your social media page? If, if it's primarily just serving as a springboard for announcements for you, then maybe it makes more sense to have them all separately. I, I, I don't know. Or do you even have enough content for each of those areas to put on each of those pages? You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. As far as my church goes, we do not have enough women's ministry things happening that we would only be able to fill up or we would be able to fill up solely a women's ministry Instagram account or, or whatever. So it makes more sense for us to have just one church-wide account that gets all of those things. I, I, I would agree with that. I would say, you know, if you start creating multiple well, for a few reasons, you start every ministry has its own Facebook page. You, you definitely lose a lot of consistency and then and, and it could potentially become the Wild West and you don't really know what's getting put out there. The truth is, you know, you, your whole church is 
anybody who's going to follow, they're definitely going to follow the main page. So why not just funnel everything through there? I do think it's a good idea for like youth ministry to have its own Instagram, you know, children's ministry have its own Instagram, maybe even TikTok or something like that. If there's an age appropriate app that fits within a demographic a little bit more, but I would definitely vote for the the one church Facebook page. What I would say is that if you wanted like the young adults to have something that you could communicate with them directly, that's where Facebook groups come in. If you're looking for something that would just be for like insiders, basically, you know, we're going to use the Facebook page as kind of the sign in the yard, the front door, letting everybody know what we're about. But once you're inside, you want to know what's so that we're not having to fill up that that front door with just event after event or internal communication. Really use the groups for that. The nice thing about the groups too is that with groups, I mean, everybody can answer and help each other out in those. You do have to monitor it and kind of moderate some things. But, you know, if somebody's got a question like, hey, what time does such and such start, this special event start on Saturday? Well, somebody else in the groups probably knows the answer. So the next question is so for Zach, do you guys have Instagram for adults, for kids, and, and another for youth ministry? We have one for student ministry and then another one for everything else. So welcome to JSM is the handle for our student ministry. And then welcome to journey is for everything family ministry. So college and up, which would also include kids. We put stuff on there for kids as well, because most most kids don't have social media accounts. Dare I say, maybe they shouldn't. Targeting kids with a social media account isn't profitable endeavor. So it's good for teenagers to have their own thing, because for one, teenagers don't want to have anything to do with something that their parents have something to do with you know so they they like just just that aspect of it is that they have their own thing that is separate from something that their parents are also seeing is appealing to them but it just provides an avenue for your student pastor to connect with them one-on-one as well you guys you do a uh, linkedin profile for all your deacons right (laughs) you've got that (laughs) i'm just kidding uh, all right so i think we answered that all right pick back up where you left off there is that i think that was it for me okay for, for the first thing for making a plan the next thing would be to build a team so one of the best things i have ever done as far as social media goes for the church that i'm at now is starting a team of photographers so i'm not the one who is trying to handle getting content or getting pictures for content on sunday morning i can just focus on um, the worship and production and connecting with new people and that sort of thing <clears throat> So I'll tell you, for, for me, we have announced it and asked people to, to sign up for this team. That seldom works for me. This, just the all call from, from the stage saying, hey, are there any photographers who would like to serve in this area? I know that works for some people. It's never worked for me. What I've found a lot, I've had a lot more luck in doing is just asking around for people who are interested in photography or who happen to be photographers and then asking them, personally, shooting him a text, sending him an email, or asking him in person on Sunday morning. We're fortunate enough to have a lady named Terry who is a professional photographer. She's amazing. And so I just schedule her on Planning Center just like anybody else. And about uh, once a month, she comes in and spends the whole day with us on Sunday mornings, even starting in rehearsal with, with the band and stuff. She takes uh, a couple hundred pictures that day and then uploads them to a folder that I can access and so can the rest of the staff and we can just comb through there and download the pictures that we want to plug into our social media or use on our website or or whatever. 
and she does a phenomenal job. I, I even asked her <clears throat> leading up to this, okay, what equipment would you recommend? What equipment do you use? And she stressed to me that the most important thing as far as a camera goes is the lens and not necessarily the camera itself. You do want a camera that has a removable lens so that you can get a different kind, but the lens is by far more important than the camera itself. And she uses one that is 70 to 200 millimeter with an f-stop of uh, limit of 2.8. So I, I looked that up. They're about $1,300, $2,600, which is, that's a lot of money for, for a lens, especially if you're just starting out. I think that just a regular 50 millimeter will do the trick. Or if you have, if you have one of the newer model smartphones with portrait mode or something like that, that can do the trick as well. You know, something that can blur the background. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, if you have an Android, you probably just want to take that and you know, throw it in the garbage. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm a Mac evangelist, but yeah, like, I mean like an iPhone 12, and iPhone 13, if you take a, if you, you know, if you spend a minute getting, you know, framing it right. And then and Zach's going to talk about this in a minute, but spend just a, just another minute editing it. You can, you can upgrade quality of your social media feed pretty quickly. Yeah, big time. So our team, obviously I mentioned Terry, we've also had some, some students that have helped out. And what I stress with them is that there's like minimal training that goes on there to teach them how to use their camera. They get a good lens. And then we briefly go over, okay, how does ISO work? How does aperture work? How does exposure work? Will their camera, do they have any like Kelvin settings that would adjust the temperature of the, of the photograph. And then we get them familiar with their own camera and then just kind of turn them loose. And I mean, especially with the teenagers, I mean, honestly, 80% or more of the photos that they take for us are unused, but that, you know, if they take, if they take a hundred pictures and, and there are, are 10 of them in there that we can use, you know, if we're only posting once a day or three times a week or, or something like that, you know, that that covers a, a large amount of time. Like I already mentioned, we want the focused foreground and the blurred background just because that looks nice on social media. But then what do they take pictures of? I just tell them, leave no stone unturned. Get pics of everything. Let people, because we want people to know exactly what it's like at our church before someone shows up for the first time. So like, like John already said, how North Point recommends doing things, you know, taking pictures from perspectives of what, what it would be like to be here, not funky angles, not turned camera shots or something like that. And then once I get those pictures in, I will edit them. Terry edits hers herself, but she uses the same program that I do. And that's Lightroom, Adobe Micro Lightroom. Microsoft Paint. Microsoft yes. Paint. But no, seriously, Adobe Lightroom is the best thing to use. And even if you have no idea how to edit a photo at all, you can download Lightroom presets from different websites. I use creativemarket.com and you can just search Lightroom preset bundle and they're super affordable. I downloaded one that's got over 2000 presets in it for $29 and I've used it for years. So it just, you import those into Lightroom and you can just sort of scroll through and see what they look like. And once you find one that you like, just copy and paste it onto all of your pictures so that on your Instagram feed, everything looks uniform and the same. You're using the same preset problem. You got the same lighting, same kind of colors that you're using, that's that kind of thing. Lightroom is part of the Adobe Creative Suite. And um, 
<clears throat> so you'd have to purchase Lightroom. <clears throat> There's different subscription levels there. But it's also, you can, I mean, you can use it on your Mac, your PC. You also, I've got it on my phone. And so you can use those presets there, you know, and really make it look good. Even, I mean, it can take an iPhone picture and make it look really nice. <clears throat> is that with, and so one of the things we know is that Facebook doesn't love text on photos. They don't love us to put a lot of junk on photos, which, and sometimes you'll see in a lot of churches, like really all that ends up in the newsfeed is sermon graphics and event graphics. And so the whole newsfeed is full of just, you know, Photoshop or Canva design, stuff like that. And so Zach, what would you say, how much, as far as the percentage wise, are you just posting pictures with a caption that has something to say about it versus a picture with something with some text on it or, or, or design on it versus uh, a sermon graphic. What are your percentages there? I'll, I'll say, I don't know exactly what my percentages are. I would say my go-to is just to use a photograph with no text. Sometimes if I have a, a really great picture of say the worship team, then I'll overlay it with, with lyrics from a song that we've been worshiping with on the weekend or something like that. Not the entire song, just a couple lines or something like that. Or maybe a, a psalm scripture verse but a lot of times i save whatever that quote is for the caption itself because me personally i'm not a big talker and and so coming up with the caption for me is the hardest thing and so if i already know what i want to assign to or to go with that picture instead of putting it on the picture i put it in the caption because that's just what's easier for me along with lightroom if you're if you're looking for something more affordable of course canva is an option a lot of people use canva we use canva this presentation we made this in canva super easy to use super affordable lots of templates for social media especially if you're doing like student ministry social media or your church has a younger median age there's an app that's one of my favorite it, it used to be called over and then GoDaddy bought it and it's called Studio now. So it's the app in the app store, Studio by GoDaddy. And it's like, it's kind of like camp, but edgier. So like just as far as the cool factor of the templates, there's some templated stuff in there. If you're looking for just something to kind of spice things up a little bit. And, and even, you know, for your, you can make event graphics in there. You could even make, you know, sermon um, series slides in there. So that's just another one. It's like I said, it's called Studio. It's by GoDaddy. The app icons like got a little squiggly blue line across it. So take a look at that. That's one of my faves there. So another question came in, Zach, what, what if your church is event driven? And I guess, is that in relationship to, I think I need some more context on that question. What if your church is event driven? Are you saying like, as far as what tools to use or what to post? Also like when posting, when flyers. So if, if your church is event driven, posting flyers, stuff like that, meaning a lot of your promotion is around events, I'm assuming. I would say people are going to get more. We have at least two to three big events each week. So I guess some of that would depend on what, what the events are. You know, are we saying two to three big event like outreach, invite the community in, and these are like big meals or these are, you know, like music events? Or are we saying this are these like the big youth ministry gatherings, two to three big events a week. That that does feel like a lot. So yeah, like outreach, community events, church events. I mean, all of those things, to, to me, all of those things, I think are going to be full of people. And you want a photographer there if you've got, I mean, if you're doing that many events, and you've got the capacity to do that, then I'm going to assume that you've got 
somebody, uh, probably more than one person in that church that is decent with a camera, I would say that you could recruit and, and have someone at all of those events and then, you know, fill up your social media with, you know, here, here's what we did. Here's what we've got coming. Keep those things. I would say here's something that a lot of churches miss is that they don't keep things organized enough, like in Dropbox or in Google Drive. And so then you know, they miss out on when it's time to promote next year's same event. They cannot find last year's stuff. And so um, they're having to go get screenshots off of Instagram, you know, to make their promotions and stuff. So, you know, keep that stuff, hang on to it, even the stuff that you, you don't use. And Zach, what do you have to say about that? I think all that's good. I think as a general rule, I try what I call those things when I'm posting an event on social media, like an announcement kind of thing, and I'm inviting someone to something our church is doing. I call that an ask. And I try to only do one ask for every five posts. And that's just because um, of the nature of social media, that no one goes onto social media looking for other people's stuff. People go on social media to consume, to learn, to get help with something, to find some kind of content, some kind of substance. And so if the only thing that you ever post on social media is an ask, is an invitation to something that you're doing somewhere else that isn't even related to social media, then eventually they're going to stop reading it altogether. They're just going to scroll past. And the more times that they scroll past, the more you're telling the social media algorithm that your page is not important to that person. So they're going to get shown it less and less frequently. So I, I would try not to do that if I can help it. Obviously, those things are important. You want to promote the things going on. But if you can do it in a different way, if you can, like one of the things that, that I, I tell myself when I'm coming up with a post is to show, don't tell. So if at all possible, it's better to provide an example than to tell someone about something. So instead of saying, hey, you should sign up for a community group. Instead, I'll post a picture of a couple that is involved in community group and in the caption have a quote from them talking about why community group is important to them like that's it's still advertising your event but it's doing it in a different way that is interesting if that makes sense i would encourage you to literally create a facebook event for the events for one you can then you've got the ability to create a targeted ad from that event and 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 get some engagement there and so then you can share it and you're going ahead and calling it what it is rather than, you know, slipping it in on the newsfeed. Events are going to get a good bit more engagement too, if you do it right. Whereas, you know, if you've got a thousand followers on your church's profile and you do the best post, unless it gets about 10 shares really quick, then the most you can expect, you know, Facebook's going to show that to maybe 15% of your fans. It's going to make it on about 150 news feeds, maybe. And then whether or not they just scroll right past it, you know, who knows? We manage some pages with 10,000 followers. And on our best day, we're happy if a thousand people see some of these posts. And so that's where you've got to get creative. And, you know, if you can start Facebook groups, get way more engagement than Facebook posts, Facebook events. Depending on the event, depending on, you know, if you put a little money with it to boost it, can can do pretty well with engagement as well. So I would encourage you to, to really, Facebook wants you to take advantage of some of those extra features. And when you make Facebook happy, they reward you. Same with Google. I say, and one other thing that will help 
with the picture itself, we talked about Lightroom presets and having a unified look. Um, you can even do that with just like the editing features that are in Facebook or Instagram. A lot of, you know, those will let you control the brightness, the exposure, the vibrancy, the saturation, those things, you know, play with that for a few minutes to make sure you have a nice, clean, bright picture. But another thing to think about is the way that you're cropping your picture. <clears throat> It'll be more interesting if you use something that's called the rule of thirds. And if you can imagine on your screen, just drawing a, a tic-tac-toe board, if you can place your subject where those lines intersect, instead of just in the middle of the screen or all the way to the side or all the way at the top or the bottom, where those lines intersect at the crosshair, if you can place your subject there, that's a recipe for uh, a nice looking picture. And that's what I try and think through every time I'm I'm cropping a picture. How's this? Is this better? So they finally the make thing, it matter. Yeah, make it matter. Think beyond just announcements, just posting to post, you know, do ministry outside of just Sunday morning. Um, Brady Shearer, a guy who I follow on Instagram and on YouTube has a quote. He says, if church only happens in the building, then your reach will miss 80% of your target audience. People are spending at at the most, probably three hours a week with you, if you're lucky. And that's considering, say, an hour for a service on Sunday morning, um, an hour on Wednesday night, if you have something going on on Wednesday night, and then an hour in a small group, if they're involved in a small group. And if that's every single week, which honestly is a big assumption, because these days people go to church about once every three weeks, just statistically speaking. Um, but if they come every single week, then you're only influencing about 2.6% of their available time. And, and that's also considering that they sleep eight hours a night. So, you know, social media is a huge opportunity for you to, to be invested in their life, to do more than just market yourself, to do more than just market your church, that you're actually ministering to your community. You can do things like asking how you could be praying for people. You can post encouraging passages. You can post short, easily digestible devotions. Again, it's going to sit on your post for a long time because people are, are used to scrolling quickly through and, and reading the captions. So, you know, if you post a devotion or something, just make sure that it's short and sweet, something that can be digested in under a minute, I would say. Posting stories that would encourage people to take their next step. Like I mentioned before, if I'm promoting community groups, then I do it with a picture of someone or a couple who's already involved in groups. Or if I want to promote serving, I'm going to pick a volunteer who I can post a picture of them serving and then have a quote from them about why they love serving and why they love the people they get to serve with. John, you look like you're about to say something. No, I'm just soaking it all in. <clears throat> My daughter's on her way to take her driver's test, and I noticed that she has five friends with her, and I just not sure that's going to work out well. <laughs> so and at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter how many people are following you. It matters how many people are following Jesus through you. If, if you become consumed with just how many followers you gain on social media, how many likes you get on each post, you know, you can fall into that trap pretty easily, keeping the goal in mind that these are real people who are trying to connect with, who are trying to influence, who are trying to uh, help connect to a real God that helps keep things in focus and gives um, more meaning to what we're doing on social media. So the last question, and that kind of leads into the, the last question that I had written down that I wanted to ask you, but just 
How do you know that your social media for your church, your ministry, your nonprofit, how do you know that it's successful? How do you know that it does matter? How, how can we measure that? It can't be how many people show up on Sunday morning. You know, that's a pretty hard thing uh, to track. And, you know, it's not like everyone is, is saying, hey, you know, I, I accepted Jesus because of that, that post. So how do you measure? How do you know that what you're doing is successful. I see this with even like with business owners outside of church. It's like they feel good. They tend to measure it. And we all do this. But like with our personal social media, we post a picture of our family or whatever. And, you know, we get 50 likes on it and 20 comments saying how beautiful you are and how good your beard looks or something like that. You know, you're like, hey, hey, that's good. That's good. I appreciate that. Thank you. Keep the compliments coming. But I don't know that we can necessarily measure the success of our ministry social media that same way, just by feeling good that we got some some clicks and some likes. What do you think? Yeah, I think that that would go back to what you decided in the beginning is the goal for your account. So for instance, for us, the goal for our account is to provide a window into what life is like at Journey Church um, to the people who are checking us out online. So I can go back and look at my page and look at the pictures that I've posted and, and ask myself, okay, if someone is looking at all of these, would they get an accurate depiction of what it's like to come on Sunday morning? And if the answer is yes, then for me, that's a win. That means it was successful. Uh, now, if your goal for your social media account is to reach people who don't go to your church, like that's your primary focus then set up some systems to be able to measure that, okay? So on your connection card that people fill out if they come for the first time on Sunday morning, ask a question like, how did you hear about us? Or, and if they write, I found you on social media or a friend shared your page on Facebook or something like that, then you're able to track it and you're able to see, okay, here's some measurable proof that what we're doing is working. Anybody, before we land the plane here, I want to see if anybody's got any last questions kind of coming to the end of our time. Actually, we're a little bit over time, but this has been good stuff and well worth it. And I know that you're all walking away with, with something valuable, but I don't want to cut anybody off. If you got any questions, now's the time. Throw them at us. We're ready. Zach, do you have any questions for me about how many push-ups I can do? How many can you do, Jonathan? Not many. Not many at all. It's <laughs> three. If I use my knees, like <laughs> So you mentioned connection cards. Are you using them? Randy said they're using a QR code and it's not working. What would you say to that? I'm assuming people aren't filling them out. The connection card that we're using, we're not using a physical connection card at Journey. We're using, you point your phone at the screen and uh, that takes you to the online connection cards. Randy's saying, yeah, people just aren't filling them out. People aren't responding. How do you feel that it's working at Journey? Are people filling those out? Are, are we incentivizing it? People are filling them out. There are different things that will encourage people to fill them out. One is just making sure that you have it as many places as possible. You know, if you have the, the ability to put a sticker or a card on every chair that has that QR code so they don't have to lift it up and point at the screen, I'd say do that. We definitely put it on the screen for our broadcast feed. It comes up as a lower third on the bottom of the screen that people can scan. Then when people scan that QR code, it goes to our Linktree account, which allows us to put multiple links. And one of those links, the very first link actually is the connection card. Now, the way that you talk about it matters. And so we always try and talk about our connection card in a way that makes it important for people to fill it out. So we say, 
And this is the way that you communicate with us. If you want more information about our church, you need to fill out the communication card. If you have a prayer request, you, you need to fill out the communication card. That's how you get those to us. Instead of framing it in a way that we want your information, so fill out the card. You need to say it in a way that makes them want to fill out the card for their own reasons. And make it to where, yeah, if, if you want to be in the loop and you want to know what's going on, yeah. You know, you need to click this. You need to check out the QR code because there's also not only is that where the connection card is, but that's where the information that if you want to sign your kids up for kids camp, like that's that's where you're going to have to go. So if if we hold their hands and, and hand them a flyer and everybody's sending out an email about it, like I think that goes back to kind of having the website as your central hub. And if you want to stay in the loop, then you got to be on the list. If you want, I know in our connection card too, there's prayer requests. And so I think a lot of people fill out the connection card really just for the sake of, I mean, they've been coming for years, but they want you to pray for something. So yeah. I think the prayer request aspect probably drives up a little bit of engagement there too. So a couple other questions. Do you suggest that the pastor or the pastors, the staff, the, the ministerial staff, should they be the ones making the videos to encourage or versus just a, a typical post? Should there be some videos from the pastor versus just somebody just posting stuff you know, just posting pictures of events in, in your congregation. Yeah, I think that can be helpful. We do that often with Kim. We just try and always make sure that it's short, like less than a minute, whatever he's got to say or encourage people to, to do. We just try and make sure that it's succinct and attention grabbing. You may have to forget that you're a pastor for a minute and, and take off the pastor hat. Yeah, I remember in seminary in my preaching class, they were like, he was always like, if you can't say it in five minutes, you don't need to be preaching. If you can't say what you're trying to say in five minutes, we we failed. That reminds me, though, about the QR code. It also matters where in the service you're promoting it. We try and do it somewhere close to the beginning because most of our people will fill them out during the sermon. So just keep that in mind. If you're saving your announcement for the QR code or the communication card for the end, nobody's filling that out because they're leaving. Best QR generator. Eric said they've used one built into Google Chrome browser. Any other better options? I, I always use the one, the Bitly. They've got one that you can use. The reason I like the Bitly one is one, it's forever. I don't know about the Google Chrome one. If I mean, some of the ones, some of them expire. But the other thing I like about the Bitly one is you can put your logo in the middle of the QR code just for a little extra branding there. I don't, and you may can do that with the Google Chrome one, but I know with Bitly, you can do that. Zach hand draws his QR codes. Zach is also a, 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 a really good artist. And yeah, we tattoo the QR codes on the staff and it's right below their chip. And so no, you, you got a better option, Zach? I use qrcodegenerator.com. It's free unless you purchase what's called a dynamic QR code. And that just means that it's the same code, but you can change where it goes whenever you want. So for instance, we have a dynamic QR code for our link tree. And so we can constantly change our link tree and it will not change the QR code. So we can continue to use that same QR code on all our print material and on the screen and stuff, but we can tell it to go wherever we want because it's a dynamic code and not a stand, like a static code. I, I think that's a good way to do it. Otherwise, you're going to have to have 47 
QR codes for every link. You know, you're going to have to children's ministry QR code. So if you haven't already figured it out, Linktree is a good option there. And my camera froze again. That means it's time to end this webinar or for me to buy a new camera. I'm not sure. There's a GoFundMe set up for my webinar camera. <laughs> Eric wrote Zach's artisanal QR codes on Etsy. You could sell those. That would be great. Let's see. Do you text Do you text that stuff out? Do you, do you text out the QR codes and the announcements and stuff like that? We put it on as much as possible. So, you know, if we have, for instance, last Christmas season, we sent a postcard to everyone who has every every family group that has been to our church in the past two years. We sent a postcard that had our Christmas schedule on it. So it said when our Christmas Eve services were, when the children's program was, anything that related to the Christmas season was on there. And then the QR code was also on there um, so that people can scan that and, and have the latest information. And I think and this is kind of uh, maybe out in the weeds from social media, but I think that's a cool idea. It's something Zach does. It's something we do for our clients. You know, when it's it, those big times of year, Easter or Christmas or, you know, kids camp, things like that, we'll build out a specific landing page on the website that's all about, you know, journey Christmas and even by the domain, you know, journeyvbs.com and build a page that's all about that and, and just brand it that way. And so, you know, I would encourage you to build out, you know, get your web guy to build out some specific pages for those bigger events and use the QR code and, so that you can direct them not to a homepage full of 48 other events that they've got to scroll through to find and you haven't had time to update it. You know, here you are in February and your Thanksgiving service times are still on the website. So, you know, build out those homepages, I think, uh, a good idea and get link true. Any other questions before we wind this thing down. What are your thoughts on other social media platforms other than Facebook and Instagram? Example like Twitter or even TikTok. Do you think they're worth investing time in? I'll answer the Twitter. I would say no, unless the pastor has a good following. But the only people who are successful on Twitter are people who are always on and who engage. If you want to be successful on Twitter, which has kind of turned into a big dumpster fire of political garbage for the most part, I mean, a lot of arguing, but the people who are effective on Twitter are kind of the head figures, the leadership, and they engage pretty regularly. But I don't know that many of our people in our churches are actively engaging in Twitter. Now, TikTok, on the other hand, Zach, how much time do you spend on TikTok? Zero percent. Okay. Well, if you ever do, do you have a TikTok? I don't have a TikTok. I have a TikTok and it, it, it's like... If you're a graphic designer, you you know how like you can if you go into Photoshop and you've been working on like a logo or something and it's been an hour and a half and you're and you've just been deciding on a font like it just sucks you in like that. TikTok is the same way, man. TikTok's dangerous in more ways than one. But just from as far as a time a time waste, oh my gosh, there's some funny people on there. However, I mean Facebook did not lose 252 billion dollars last week due to LinkedIn's competition. They, they lost that and Zuckerberg even blamed TikTok for that 25% loss of their overall value in a day. So TikTok is where, it is where a ton of people are. It's where your adults are, definitely where teenagers are. So I think we definitely lean towards redeeming those things, meeting students where they're at and, and being on there, being funny, just having fun with it to get students' attention. It's not, you know, you you got to have somebody, you've got to be consistent on there and you got to be careful on there. But I think getting in on some of the more fun family-friendly trends, just some of the silliness, you know, getting some of your students in on that and producing some TikToks, I think would be fun. I think that 
you know, your students perhaps may share those with other students. So definitely could get you um, some exposure. So if your leadership's cool with it and you, you don't catch a lot of flack, I think for student ministry, I think TikTok and maybe even an adult ministry or like a church-wide TikTok, if you've got a younger congregation. Zach, thoughts? I, I default to you on this because like I said, I don't even have a TikTok. I know that it's popular, but I've never signed up for one. Yeah. It seems to me like people use TikTok like how people used to use or maybe still use YouTube, just like searching funny videos. It would be difficult, I think, for a church to have a purposeful TikTok, but you know, I haven't given a lot of thought to that. Yeah, I do too. I, I think, I mean, it, it is designed for, you know, for fun for the most part. I mean, there are some guys on there that are, you know, like self-help coaches or psychologists and stuff like that. They give tips that tends to, you know, the, they go well if that's their niche or if that's their, their shtick. But for the most part, the teenagers are on there just to laugh and, and, and goof off. And so I don't think it would be bad to, to have a presence on there in, in front of your teenagers, but it, it definitely would be a tougher one to make matter. Whereas I think with Instagram, you still got, you've got the reels feature and reels are getting a lot more engagement on Instagram than just a typical post. So if you're not doing reels and you have anything to do with the student ministry Instagram or really any Instagram account with your church, I would encourage you to start testing reels up against your regular posts and you'll see you get a lot more engagement from that just because Facebook or Instagram wants you to. They know their competition is TikTok. So they're going to reward you by posting reels because that's going to help them compete with TikTok. So I would certainly, if nothing else, do reels. That's all I have to say about that. I found on Instagram in particular, <laughs> if you or, or someone else on your staff, whoever's handling, handling your social media, if they have the time to do it, anytime that Instagram introduces a new feature, they prioritize it over all of the others just so that people will use it. So that's a top way <coughs> to get your name out. Mm -hmm. quickly so jump on that sorry i'm getting all choked up here talking about tiktok for a second all right well zach thank you so much i hope this has been valuable for everyone i know when we talk about this sometimes it's overwhelming and i just say this to everybody this is not some huge sales pitch or a bait and switch but i know that there are a lot of churches that you hear all this stuff and it's like oh man that sounds awesome i would love to do that i know we need to improve our social media i know we need to improve our website I know we need to show up on Google better, but we're a small staff and we got a lot of responsibilities. We don't have time to do that. FaithWorks, that's what we do. Our goal is to help you. And whether that's giving away free, valuable content in a webinar, awesome. There is so much that you can do on your own without paying someone like us to come in and help with that. And I highly encourage you to do that. Be good stewards of the money that you have there at the church. But we, we're here to come in and take some of that off of your plate and relieve the pressure so you can focus on what you do best. So if you do need help with social media, you're thinking, hey, we, we want to improve things. We just don't have the time or the staff or the resources. And you're like, you want to talk? You can go to faithworks.link slash discovery. And you and I, one-on-one, -on -one, we can take about 20 minutes. I'll answer any questions you have. Or you can shoot me an email or shoot a text or call, whatever works for you. I don't think we have a fax number and I threw away my pager. So don't, don't do that. But get in touch. We'd love to talk to you and help you in any way we can. If you ever have questions about anything, we're not going to charge you. If you're ever stuck on something, you, you're trying to figure something out on social media or you're looking for a resource, uh, man, just reach out. It won't be a sales call. I will help you in any way I can and give you every bit of knowledge 
that I have, and it's not much. If I can't get you an answer, I'll get you in touch with somebody who can. So if we can ever help you, uh, let us know. And, and, and we're here for you. Again, thanks, Zach, for your time. Thank you guys for all hanging out with us. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. And we're going to do these monthly. And we'll have a, a new guest every month talking about a new topic every month. And so make sure you watch out for those emails. We'll be sending you, keeping you in the loop. And thanks again. We appreciate you all. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for personalized suggestions to help grow your organization by reaching more people online, please email jono at faithworksmarketing.com.